0: It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. All right, I'm Larry Kudlow. Welcome back to the Larry Kudlow Show. First of all, you can join us during the week. Fox Business Network. The name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday every day. And if you can't make it at 4, just text your favorite 9-year-old, who will teach you how to DVR the show. Point number one. Point number two, you can live stream us, LarryKudlowShow.com. Live stream us on the internet, LarryKudlowShow.com. goes all across the country, around the world, throughout the solar system. By the way, our ratings on the solar system are really moving up nicely. And now we're going to do some stock market work. And we bring in my dear friend, Michelle Girard, Head of U.S. NatWest Markets. And Mike Ozanian, Assistant Managing Editor for Forbes Media and co-host of the great show Forbes' Sports Money plays on the Yes Network. I've been watching that show. It's a good show. Now, Michelle Gerard, love, love, love. I've got to – I'm going to apologize because you know what's coming. I have to spend a moment with my friend Mike Ozanian – on the collapse of the New York Yankees, okay? (laughs) I watch it every night. I watch really large chunks of the game. My heart is broken. I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. Anyway, Mike Ozanian, give us a minute on the Yankees, please.
1: Well, right now, as you look at the team, Larry, as I know you have been, basically their offense is all about one guy, Yep. that guy, is named Aaron Judge, yep, and who now is, of course, is even being pitched around, you know, walks two, three times every game because nobody gets on base in front of them. Nobody's <laughs> a the threat to hit behind them. Uh, you know, look, all teams have injuries, right? The Rays, who have caught up to the Yankees, almost have had a ton of injuries. I I, I hate to say this, and I, and I think I'm dead wrong. I think when we had a chat a couple of months ago when the Yankees were you know, 15 games in first place. I was taking the view that, you know, when these other guys even start hitting better, guys like LeMayu and so forth, you know, they're going to do even better. What actually has happened, I think, is we've seen the weakness in how the Yankees have been constructed whereby there are too many guys that strike out too often. That's it. don't get on base enough. That's it.
0: And, and, and that's really what it's comes it. down There's to. There's no contact hitters. LeMahieu is hurt. LeMahieu is hurt. But they're all hitting 200. Hicks,
1: Donaldson, both of their catchers. uh, And I think they have a big problem going forward, too, because if Stanton is now at the point Mm. where he's only going to play 50 games a year, Mm. that's $35 million a year in salary. You know, that that really works out to $70 million a year in salary. Mm. And... uh, Looming on all of this is Mr. Judge. What does he do at the end of the season? Mm. Uh, he's a free agent. He's turned down the Yankees' first offer. He bet on himself, as they say before the season, by not signing. And he's having an MVP year, most valuable player year. He has an outside <laughs> shot to win the triple crown.
0: Yes, he does. That's, as, that's a key point. He's hitting 304. With 55 homers and whatever, 120 RBIs, he's amazing. But the rest of them are all hitting 200. They can't hit. They can't make contact. It's dry. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
1: I'm a feeling, and and I know, Michelle, you and I, we all love analytics, (laughs) and all baseball teams use it, but I think whatever analytics the Yankees are employing, That was telling him, you know, Donaldson was a good offensive player and all these other guys. He's terrible. I think they need to revisit that because whatever they're putting in that formula isn't working.
0: You know, uh, just last point. On-base percentage is very important. The batting average and the walks. And they just don't have it. They don't get on base. They strand runners. But the amazing thing is Aaron Judge is hitting over 300. You're right. He could win a triple crown. All right. Enough of that. Uh, Michelle Girards, best Wall Street economist and a very old and dear friend. <laughs> Michelle, uh, let's talk about the Fed just for a sec. Um, the um, uh, unconfirmed chairman of the Fed, Nick Timoreas, <laughs> who is a Wall Street <laughs> Journal writer, who is a friend of mine. Uh, he has told us the Fed's going to raise the target by 75 basis points. Uh, when's the meeting? Next week, is it, or the week 21st. after? 21st.
2: Yeah, the 21st. Yeah, the week after.
0: And I'm sure they will. Beyond that, we will see. But I wanted to know if you agree with that. And I want to know what your outlook is. I mean, you know, inflation, you're probably going to get a negative print because of gasoline prices um, in uh, for the uh, for the – yeah, for the August for number, August, yeah. right, for the August number. But, 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 but it's all gasoline prices. Food prices are soaring. All these, you know, the Cleveland Fed median is six and a half percent growth and the trend mean is seven percent growth. So I don't think inflation is going to disappear. Maybe you disagree. Mm-hmm. And if you do, please tell us. But I'm just saying, what's your outlook for the Fed right now?
2: Yep. Yeah, well, we had had 50 basis points in a kind of a close call. We've never been that you know we've always acknowledged it's fifty or seventy five and it, it certainly the rhetoric and then Nick's article would would tip the scales it seems like seventy five and then and then they'll keep going. I think at the moment we along with the markets have a four percent uh terminal rate, if you will, at least you know that's what they think the stopping point is. I think it remains to be seen whether that is the stopping point. it may be where they pause and reassess, but I, I agree with you that inflation is going to be more persistent. Now, Larry, you've actually had this call. You you've been saying it's gonna be six percent the core rate's gonna be six percent yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah. And you know, we were at four, then we were at four and a half, now we're like close to five and a half. So I'm catching up to you, Larry. And um, you know, it it will come down and and things like energy will help the headline, but you know, again, away from energy, there's really no sign of, of a material deceleration. I think any slowing is going to be slower than the Fed would like. We don't have the we don't have the inflation rate getting back to a 2% target until 2024. A San Francisco Fed put out a paper, they don't have the inflation rate hitting target till 2025. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be slow and I think for the market's the important thing here is you know the market is still looking for rate cuts next year even though the Fed is signaling or trying to say you know that that isn't likely to happen. Rates are likely to stay higher for longer the The markets are still operating under this assumption that. If the economy goes into recession, which we actually are forecasting, the Fed will be forced to reverse course. And I think the markets are miss, missing that. You know, this is a very different time. It's almost like a regime change, if you will, or it's a return to what, you know, I mean, the Fed is trying to learn and from the lessons of the past that make the same mistakes. And I don't think they're going to be thinking about cutting interest rates until that, you know, inflation rate is much, much closer to target.
0: Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think. Inflation is going to be stickier, longer. They are a long ways from 2%. I don't care what gasoline price. I mean, I'm glad gasoline price is coming down for the sake of the American worker and typical family, but it's going to be a slog. You know, Michelle, they'll take – the way I was reading uh, Jay Powell's speech, and, you know, I listened to Jim Bullard, who I think is the smartest guy, plus his uh, former research – uh, assistant um, Chris Waller, uh, who with Donald Trump's backing I appointed, I put him on the Fed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those guys are trying to tell you. They, look, they'll take the unemployment rate all the way through 6%, Michelle. Right. I mean, that's, that's the yeah. deal. They're gonna That's the deal. And they, right. it's, the market who – people in the stock market who think they're going to, A, pause later this year or, B, cut rates next year are out of their minds.
2: Yeah, They're not going to do it. To- no, I, I again, um, I think that they want to front load the, the rate hike, yes. and then I yes. think, you know, again, they may pause. Don't, the other thing, too, that we have to, is, is quantitative tightening. I mean, they're going to actually start to, you know, to sell, we think they will start to sell um, securities, so right. you're going to have a, a double whammy. And then the other thing is, I mean, at best, I think they pause. But as we talked about, if inflation proves more persistent uh, through 2023, then everybody sort of expect maybe four percent isn't even the peak no, so no I think no way the a very challenging the
0: funds rate look first of all you make a great point uh they're finally going to start trimming their balance sheet look the 10 has gone up almost 100 basis points from the low it's uh, 332 is what i have for friday but whatever uh we haven't seen the peak in market rates and we sure haven't seen the peak in the fed funds rate come on they can't do that I mean, they right. could slow them from seventy-five to. You know what? I could let go back to last spring. I stick with what I said. They should have raised the funds rate a full point every single meeting until you actually see the inflation indexes coming down rapidly. That's what they should have done. Because Bullard, Bullard made a point last week. He said, "Let's not drag this out," right? right? The sooner they get back to you know price stability quote unquote, then the faster the economy can recover. The cavalry's coming, the Democrats are going to lose both houses, the Republicans are going to you know stop spending and they 're going to start t- cutting taxes or trying to or they won 't raise them and that'll help and they 're getting rid of these regulatory shackles around the economy but I mean the fed 's got yeah. work to do the only th- other thing I want to ask you is. Michelle, don't you think Nick Timoreus should be confirmed as the Fed chairman?
2: I'm, I'm, he's the only straight shooter. <laughs> it's almost like a mini FOMC meeting. Like as yes. soon as that article hit, yes. it was like the markets – it was almost as if the Fed had acted. <laughs> so it's quite funny. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, I know him very, very well. He covered me when I was in the White House. He's a very smart guy. He's a very smart guy, and he's he, – look, they're leaking to him, and he puts it right out. We all know that game. Anyway, let's take a quick break. I want to get Ozanian back in here. We've got to figure out what the investment strategy is and uh, what the GDP is going to look like. Uh, so we're talking to um, Michelle Girard, uh, who's with Nat West and Mike Ozanian, Forbes Media and Sports Money. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Now, back to The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking stocks and the economy. We've got Michelle Girard from NatWest Markets and Michael Zanian from Forbes Media and uh, Forbes Sports Money on the Yes Network. So, Michael Zanian, uh, I don't know if you agree with what Michelle and I were saying. By the way, Michelle, uh, who was a former economist with the Federal Reserve Board in Washington and once worked. Mm-hmm. On the staff of Juan Kudlow, back at Bear Stearns' <laughs> days, and she is one smart woman. So I my- do
1: agree with Michelle, and I have to say, I've also uh, been very fortunate to learn a lot. From her over the years, and listening to her, and when she's appeared on your show,
0: and she speaks clearly. She speaks clearly. Have you noticed that? I
2: understand. Okay, let's move on to the (laughs) content that I'm sure everyone would prefer to hear, Mike. What do you think this all means for the market? That's right.
0: There you go. She's she's the host now. Go ahead.
1: ahead. uh, For me, I'm going to be very very selective with equities. Yeah. I don't trust the bond market right now, and your point about Nick writing for the journal, I I think Powell has come out and said he's not going to be talking anymore or something (laughs) like that the other day. So I think we're going to really need Nick to to tell us a lot more going forward. Yes. Uh, But look, it's going to be a very tough market going ahead. We've seen for the overall economy, the uh, Fed flash estimate for I guess it was quarter three just got almost cut in half, I think, from over two to under two. Um, I think rising mortgage rates. Uh, are going to hurt the consumer. I think real wages are going to have a very, very tough time staying positive. So that's going to, I think, make corporate profits very challenging. And look, FactSet has come out and said the other day, they're only looking for 3.7% growth year over year in quarter three. If that's accurate, that's going to be the lowest growth rate since 2000 Mm -hmm. when it was negative. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I I think you got to be very, very picky in the equity market at this time.
0: Do you buy energy, or what? What would you buy if you were picking around? I, I look. I think one
1: of the overlooked sectors of the American economy are the railroads, uh, oh. and I, they've become they've become e- incredibly efficient through technology huh. and and through how their generators power the trains and everything. And for my money, uh, probably the best run or, or one that. There isn't another one running any better is Union Pacific. Mm. They, they continue to have earnings growth. They continue to have revenue growth. Uh, and they pay a nice 2.3% dividend. And the, their P.E. is you know right about at the market at 17. So I, I really uh, like that. And as an outplayer on all this stuff happening around the globe on inflation, I like the Australian dollar, mm. which I think has fallen a little bit the past two weeks. But uh, I think as Australia starts to ratchet up its tightening for fears of inflation, I think that bodes well. They also sell a lot of commodities, mm. so I also like the Australian
0: dollar. U.S. dollar is pretty darn strong. Yeah, yeah, I mean the yeah. U.S. dollar is strong, and it's made up some and not only against foreign currencies, but it's it's been strengthening against commodities. So there's that. We've
1: seen that, yeah. As the CPI has sort of leveled off, we've seen that Mm. that the U.S. dollar gets stronger. And for that, I'd kind of stay away from emerging market stocks.
0: Right, because they'll get clobbered if interest rates keep going up, U.S. rates. Exactly. Michelle Gerard, to Mike's point, the uh, GDP tracker from the Atlanta Fed has gone from 2.6 to 1.4. Now they're going to revise it, obviously, when we get the new numbers in from the rest of august Mm -hmm. but um what are you thinking here about the economy and uh, i mean we're on the front end of recession or whatever the semantics are but what's your outlook for for the economy gdp and just one um one uh appendix to that uh mike mentioned mortgage rates i'm just looking here 30-year mortgages are back to six eleven. right wow uh right. housings in pretty lousy shape I th- right i mean yeah uh, oh yeah start- housing
2: was down sharply even in the second quarter and it's i mean double digits and it will continue to you know uh, to be a big drag so, uh-huh. so what's the yeah. outlook Yeah, well, as I mentioned, we did actually put in a formal uh, recession into our forecast. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're right around one and a half in the third quarter. You know, we had negative, obviously, quarters in the first of the year, but they really weren't reflective of where the economy was there were some you know special factors with inventories and trade and um consumer spending was still positive if you you know if you x out some of those categories if you look at kind of domestic demand although we did have some weak investment numbers in the second quarter but in general it, i think that the negative gdp numbers didn't really reflect where the economy was and even now i mean we'll get retail sales this week uh, i think Actually, it's going to show that that the consumer is still sort of holding in. The, the, some of the anecdotal reports on back-to-school shopping have mm-hmm. been – have been, you know, holding up. I mean, they're not necessarily strong, but they're, but they're holding up. Um, and so, so we have a one and a half percent gain in the third quarter, and then it turns negative and 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 fundamentally negative. Where you start to see in the fourth quarter, we've got growth down. I think it's one and a half percent, but mm-hmm. we've got declines kind of across the board: consumer spending, investment, housing. You know, now you're actually seeing the start. I think of what is really, you know, the recession, and we've got negative growth continuing into the first half of next year it's you know it's not easy um you know it's it's going to be difficult and painful, obviously, but this is the economic cost that it, you know, it will, that we need to bear, in I think, in order to bring inflation down. I just don't think that the, you know, and the Fed, I think, recognizes this when you talk about their willingness to drive the unemployment rate up. The only way we're going to bring, you know, inflation down is to slow demand. Hopefully, and you mentioned tax cuts, I mean, it would be great to get some fiscal uh, stimulus, um, fiscal action in the form of tax cuts, not spending, that will help increase the supply side of the economy as well. But, you know, um, and in the interim, that what the Fed that is, is, I think, more directly able to control the name of the game to bring inflation down is to really get, you know, demand down, which is effectively to slow the economy down to a point that I think ends up, you know, leading to recession. Yeah, you know, you're
0: right. Look, these the dopes run in Washington right now are not going to give us any supply side help. Michelle, just one uh, kind of a quirky question, but look at California and about 10 other states are banning gas-powered automobiles. I mean, this is an insanity. Insanity. But my question to you is, what's that going to do to
2: car sales?
0: Yeah, because uh, the supply why the
2: switch isn't there. You know, the problem is at the moment, um, I think they want to do that by 2030. I mean, at the moment, I think electric vehicles account for something like 8% of the cars on the road. I mean, you just can't, you know, you can't find the supply. Um, and so I think that will be, I mean, on some level, I guess you could argue it might spark demand in some areas at the expense of others. But um, I think all of these kinds of policies are you know are are, are incredibly problematic and um, mm. and and I think that that's going to be something we end up um you know that that we'll have to see how it plays out where I actually thought you were going to is is just given the environment um that we're in you know this whole e, where ESG comes together with the realities of of the current situation kind of with Ukraine I mean some of the you know the the policies that we've you know the government wants to put forward is clashing with the realities of mm. of the current situation as well. And and so I, I, I think, you know, I, again, I think with all of these perhaps well-intentioned ideas, the realities of the constraints and the implications of what that actually means in the transition period is is quite tricky.
0: It's quite, it's not tricky. It's catastrophic. <laughs> There's nothing tricky about it. It's catastrophic. You yeah. know, Ma- Mike Ozanian, I got 30 seconds. We're all going to buy EVs. But Gavin Newsom won't let you plug in the battery. You can't recharge it because there's no electricity well, in California. I got to get out of
1: here. They don't have the grid. Yeah, I know. about yeah, control, Larry. Yeah,
0: control. Mike Ozanian and Michelle Gerard. Terrific stuff. All right, folks, stick around. We've got Money and Politics coming up with Liz Peak and John Fund. I'm Kudlow. Please stay with us.